Welcome back to our living room and the Life of Garrity podcast. Today, we're talking about travel tips. gearing up for a pretty big trip and we haven't traveled in 700 years so it's about accurate we're planning for that and we thought it would be great to talk about travel tips yeah lots and lots of travel tips yeah so we both used to travel quite a bit before COVID-19 happened yeah mostly for work I mean we threw in a bunch of personal little like vacay type things but both of us travel for work Uh, I travel more often just because of some of the companies that I work with are kind of all over the country, whether it be Texas, California, Florida, places like that. So, you know, as soon as COVID kicked off, yeah, there was no more of that. Uh, And Lori travels a lot for work too, but there's also a special spin to that because by now, if you've been listening, you know that she works as an architect. But she still works as an architect for the firm she started for, which is based in Aspen. Right. So I travel back to Aspen a ton, but I also just finished a house last fall in Atlanta. So for about a year and a half, I was flying down to Atlanta once a month. And then on top of that, every couple of years, I'll travel for an architecture conference and then throw in some fun conferences here and there, some women's retreats, CrossFit games, or two or three or four. So we travel quite a bit. So setting the stage, can you explain to our listeners a little bit about why it's so important for us and you in particular to plan out your travel and how difficult it can be living with chronic disease? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. Before we moved out here, I really didn't travel that much. She never left the state of Colorado That's until she was about I like... I had done some traveling. I like had a, gone to an Europe. adult. <laughs> no, I had done a lot of traveling, but not frequently. So when we moved here, that was the first time that I started doing work travel, which is very different than we're going on vacation. Because yeah. you need to plan ahead for a lot of things. There's a lot of moving parts. And a lot of times when I'm traveling for work... It's because a client is in town. As you can imagine, you know, a lot of what we do are vacation homes. So, you know, our clients are only coming to town a few times a year. And and there's a lot of coordination that goes behind the scenes with that. So. So needless to say, you're always on the move as opposed to let's go sit on the beach at a resort in Bermuda. (laughs) Which we love to do that, too. Yeah. The most difficult decision we need to make is where we're going to have dinner. Right. Right. It's good. So for someone with chronic disease, you have to plan ahead in quite a few ways. Number one, you really have to look at your schedule and make sure that you're planning in for rest and that you're not overloading yourself, which I have not been great at historically. And it's something I've really had to just continue to work at. And gearing up for this trip, I... I'm really trying to take a close look at my calendar and say, whoa, that's going to be a really emotionally heavy day. I need to make sure I'm plugging in. You know, I'm not going to do 
a catch up with one of my friends that lives in Colorado that day, you know, because I'm going to be brain dead. Yeah. So you kind of have to have this mentality that that's going to be hard. No, for me, dog. (laughs) And for that reason, I'm out. (laughs) And for that reason, I'm out. Again, we're going to talk about boundaries, but here's another great introduction into boundaries. Yeah. Really looking at your calendar. And instead of saying, I mean, I'll preface this with when I first was going back there a lot for work, I would, you know, all of my friends who I wanted to see, it would just, it would become a lot and I would feel very spread thin because I was trying to have dinners with all of the people. And at the end of the day, you kind of just have to say no. And there were times, there were a couple of years there where I didn't say anything to anybody about being in town because it was just too much. If I'm there, I'm there for work. I'm, you know, meeting with clients. It's, these are really physically, mentally exhausting days. And you just can't really fit much else in. So my first tip with, uh, you know, traveling when you have chronic disease is to really look at your calendar and audit it and say, what do I realistically have time for? And plan in downtime for yourself because you may have yeah. a situation where you you don't feel well and then you can kind of reschedule things accordingly. So yeah. that's a really big one. And I'll say a second one is, you'll hear us talk about this a lot. There's an app called Find Me Gluten-Free. We'll tag it in the show notes. But we've been using that for about three to four years. And I'm not lying when I say this. This is not an ad. But this app has never once failed us. We've used it in the most obscure places in the country. And what I will do before we go on a trip, if it's somewhere we've never been before, I will get on the app. I will look at the map. And I will plan out, okay, here's the hotel where we're staying. And here are all of the restaurants that are gluten-free friendly. Here's the days that they're open. Here's the days they're not. And make reservations if that's an option. So that when we arrive, I already have a list of options or reservations at restaurants. And we don't have to stress about where we can eat next. Yeah, there's basically a schedule. Mm -hmm. of where I got to be when I got to be there. (laughs) So if you have any kind of food allergies, especially a gluten allergy, you really have to be careful about where you're going to eat. And for someone who doesn't have to take those kind of considerations into account, they might think, oh, you can just eat wherever. Just tell them to give you iceberg lettuce with a wedge of tomato on it. And that's going to be a hard no for me. I'm not going to do that. So using that app has been great. And also planning ahead, they have this great feature on there where you can literally just look at the map, plug in where your hotel is, look at the map and and know where you're going to go. Hey, I land at the airport at two. I'm going to be really hungry. I will have not eaten lunch yet. And here's a a coffee shop nearby that has gluten-free sandwiches. Yeah. And check their hours, check their days of operation, know that they're open. Yeah. I always find kind of to dovetail on that tip that uh, making sure that you're aware of how your schedule looks for the day uh, and planning in times to eat. You know, like Mm -hmm. I take a lot of early 6 a.m. flights to Texas because Mm -hmm. it's an awkward time where I might lose the day if I take a later flight. But the problem is in the beginning when I started scheduling meetings with some of my clients, um, I didn't 
bacon anytime to eat breakfast when I landed or lunch. And so then all of a sudden I realized, wait a second, I'm going back to back to back to back in the meetings and they're already stressful to begin with. And then add on top of it that I'm hungry and hangry at that point. Yes. It is not a good recipe. And especially when I travel on vacation too, it's a lot more leisurely. So it's easy. It's a whole different deal, but definitely factor in, um, time to not only eat, but just decompress a little bit. Absolutely. I'll use the Atlanta trips that I was doing as an example. What I figured out very quickly was that for me physically, it was better to take a flight the night before and I would get there to the hotel at like 8 p.m. And then that way the next morning I could really relax and I could be well rested and eat breakfast at the hotel before I was getting in an Uber to go to my job site because I would be in meetings on site all day long and I really needed to be able to come into that fresh. Yeah, totally. So segue into tip number three. Okay. Another thing to keep in mind is to stay hydrated when you're on a plane, you are you know, your body is naturally going to become dehydrated. And in the beginning, in the early years, I would absolutely drink way too much coffee and way overwork. And it really wasn't great for my body. And what I know now, especially because I fly to elevation, I'm going from sea level to 8,000 feet. And you really have to make sure you're well hydrated. So we'll tag a couple things in the show notes, but we use noon tablets a lot. Oh yeah. Those are great. And what I do is you just snap them in half. And as soon as I get to the airport, I get my water bottle and or a, a bottle of water. I snap one of those in half and put it into the water. And then that's the water that I drink while I'm on the plane. Yeah. Noon tablets are great. And noon is spelled N-U-N-N. And I think that uh, they do fall into the travel tip category of hydration. But if you think about hydration more broadly, if you go online or you go to the hole, you know what I'm talking about, uh, you'll see all them up there. And there's so many different types. There's actually noon tablet, uh, noon tablets that are specific to electrolytes, specific to vitamins, specific to different supplements, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. I will say, though, some of them do have dextrose in them. And if that's something you're sensitive to, which it's something I don't play around with. So the one that we use is the vitamins line. And what's that flavor that we love? Is I it love blueberry? pomegranate. Pomegranate. Yeah. That's our favorite flavor. Pomegranate. And I've talked to some other folks about this too. And you can literally take them for anything. I carry them when I'm playing golf. I walk 18 holes on a day when it's 85 degrees throw one of those in there. I'm constantly telling my dad about it because he knows whenever I show up when we're playing and it's hot out that I've got noon tabs. He's like, yo, you got new tabs? I'm like, yeah, I got tabs. I got you. So that's definitely a super easy way yeah, to stay hydrated. And, and there's a new brand that I'm trying that I'm really into called Element. And it's an electrolyte powder. It's made by Rob Wolf. If you're a paleo person, you know who Rob Wolf is. Those are really delicious. However, I will say they're very strong. So I am going to take some of those with me on this trip. However, I'm still trying to figure out how I want to utilize it because it's a powder. It's a little bit different and I'm not going to want to use an entire pouch in my water. It's just too strong. So too much 
yeah, hydration so going on. I might use the noon tablets on the plane just because they're mess free and then use the powder once I'm actually in Aspen and I can have a giant water bottle. So that's number three is hydration. So tip number three is hydration. Moving on, tip number four. Never check a bag. Yeah, forget that. So I'll start with this one because for a long time, I always checked a bag. And I think when I was younger, it was because, you know, I thought I wanted to impress and I want to bring all the things. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to bring. And then God forbid I was coming from a cold climate to a warm climate. Then you got two sets of clothes, you know, and so on and so forth. And I always, um, my biggest thing with, with not checking a bag was I was always anxious about not being able to get an overhead compartment, right? Until I learned from Lori that when you book with some sort of status, you get the ability to get in the boarding group two or even three. And if you have a bag that fits perfectly and you're only going on a trip for like, call it three, four or five days even, you can definitely take a small roller. And the first couple of times I did it, I was like, wow, I can't believe I haven't done this before because then you're on and off and boom, you're on your way. So highly recommend not checking a bag, especially because nowadays they're charging you to check bags. It's just a huge freaking headache. I do have an experience where they lost my bag one time and it's just like a huge nightmare. So why even take the chance? Okay. If you're going to Europe for a month, I get it. But for the most part, um, don't check a bag. Right. And we got some tips on bags. Yes, we do. But before we get to that, we don't have planned out notes for this, guys. So we're just jumping around. We don't, you know, I want to go back to... Where are we going now? We're, we're going back. We're going back to planning. So when I'm packing, I separate my piles of what's going in the bag that I'm that I'm going to be putting under the seat. And then I separate out the stuff that can go in my suitcase. And in the bag that you're putting under your seat, you want to make sure that in case something happens with your travel plans, you have what you need in that bag, that you have like snacks and, uh, you know, maybe you're sitting on the tarmac for a long time. So I always like to make sure I'm not one of those people that's going to like try to open up my my suitcase in the middle of the airport. I just don't like that. So I try to really separate and I do it as I'm planning. So I make sure that if something happens, I have all of the supplements I need. I have all of my medication for the entire day, even if the plan is that I'll be to my destination before dinner. I don't plan for that. I plan for just in case. And uh, and I make sure I have all that stuff easily accessible. The other thing about not checking a bag that I really like is like Ryan mentioned, you're just in and out. And I have it down to a science of if my flight boards at 10 a.m., I open up the Uber app and call my Uber at 9 a.m. And that gets me through security and to my gate right on time. If you are not checking a bag, then you're totally fine. You can do whatever you want. And then the other thing too, I know this isn't gonna apply to everyone who's listening to this, but when you fly to Aspen, you, are, you have a layover at an airport like Denver or Chicago or Houston, and there's weather problems all the time and there's a good chance that you're going to be in a situation where you're going to get uh, diverted or you're going to have to switch planes or something's going to happen and if you checked that bag you're going to be in a little bit of a pickle so I just don't even bother that's what happened to me when they lost my bag was it going to Aspen no it was going to it was coming home so no not home yet 
It was going to New Jersey. I was coming to spend a week with the group that I work for now. And I oh. had to book it over to the connecting flight from Chicago's O'Hare to Newark. And I remember I literally ran across from one terminal to the next in duck boots. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, thank God I'm somewhat fit because otherwise I ain't making this flight. And I did make it, but the bag did not. So I had to yes. come back to Newark Airport the next morning. That was not fun. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. So. I will say that too, that a lot of times, so we live really close to Newark Airport and your flight's going to be delayed. It's just a fact of life. And if I get in a situation, this has happened so many times where my layover was supposed to be an hour, but now it's going to be 14 minutes. And luckily I almost always make that that connection i run through that airport which is not great because that's like 5200 feet in elevation and woof that hurts the lungs but if i had if i had checked a bag that those bags are never making it right so now that we've established that you need to carry a bag on what bag would you carry on all right it is called the bigger carry-on by away yeah you all know it yeah, you all know it. Away is this fancy millennial brand that's been making, you know, suitcases where they advertise. There's no real fanfare, just quality, durable. Uh, you can size up, you can size down. They make the one that carries uh, a Mophie in it. Yes, it has the USB charger. And I'm going to tell you that bad boy is worth every penny. That charger will last i have it in my purse right now it stays in my purse all of the time that's why she bought the bag she doesn't actually care about the bag no it's it's that mophie it's so good it's so powerful and i charge it like twice a year yeah so i mean obviously some folks have run into this before but you know the only downside to it is having the mophie in it because then when you board even if you're carrying on it is so ridiculous that the folks uh, at the gate are always like, oh, you got to take the battery out of the suitcase. And I'm like, it is literally going 12 inches above my head. What does it matter if the Mophie is 12 inches above my head in the overhead compartment or if it's at my feet in mm -hmm. a bag? It's the same concept. It's annoying. It's not going below deck, yeah. right? But for some weird reason, they got to say it. So if you're getting that bag before you board, just take out the Mophie, throw it in your bag, and then leave the flap open. Right. And as you're rolling through, just show them that right. it's so open that, and you'll keep right. it Right. So for the folks that don't know, that is actually why Away designed it that way. Because having Mophies built into your bag is kind of a new thing. And the travel authorities, really the gate agents in TSA, are not quite sure what to do with it yet. So... What they're doing is they're asking to remove them. So they literally pop it in and out. It's really cool because when you come home, you pop it out and then you can plug it into a USB, yeah. any USB, even an Apple brick USB and just charge it up and it's good to go and it holds the charge for a long time. Yeah, those things are a game changer. And I will say I had one experience with an away bag when they first came onto the scene. I got one and it had a defect with the wheels and I was very upset and halfway through my first trip using it, I returned it and bought a different bag on Amazon. I'm still not convinced it actually had I don't an know. issue with the wheels. I don't know what happened. For some reason, one day Lori got in her head that the wheels don't work the way they should. Yeah, I got really upset. So I returned it, but then I have since come back 
and joined the club once again and absolutely love it. And I will say it's it's the biggest carry-on you can get that will fit in that overhead bin. But if you're like, you know what? I don't even remember how much they cost. But if you're like, that is way out of my budget. Don't worry. I have you covered. I will tag the other suitcase that I absolutely love in the show notes. And this one was a recommendation. It's on Amazon. It's like 89 bucks. It was a recommendation from my friend Liz. Hi, Liz. She travels more than anyone that I know. And this is the bag that she knows and loves and recommends. So I'll tag that one for you as well. I have that one too. It's just a little bit smaller, but it rolls really well and it's super durable. Right. So now that we're talking about bags, quick digression. So you might be wondering, okay, you love your away bag, but if you're on a business trip, what bag do you carry with it? Because you got to take some notes, maybe a notebook or even your laptop with you. And I will tell you, I found the bag. Okay. It's called Stuart and Lau. And the idea was they wanted to make three different types of bags, a very slim version, a middle version, and then what they call the combo, which is the big one that you could put your laptop and it's kind of a slim version. So you can put some notes in on the other side. But the idea is that they wanted to make a very simple sort of no nonsense, very durable, versatile, um, everyday, call it briefcase, but a contemporary version of that. And the materials they're using is this high grade, uh, almost canvas. Uh, it's a synthetic material. Um, so it's not like a fancy leather, but it's expensive because it does have fancy leather straps and stuff like that. What they did was they redesigned it so that now it fits over carry-ons. And I find it to be the best bag to travel with business and everyday sort of functions, 100% hands down. I've tried so many different things and zippers break and this doesn't work and then that doesn't work. And this one is the workhorse and it still looks good to this very day. Like it came out of its box Mm -hmm. yesterday and it's been a couple years now. So check it out. Yeah, that's a great looking bag. And just a quick note about gender neutrality, men and women. It can be used by anybody. Yeah. I think they make other leather goods for women too. It's funny because they uh, manufacture overseas. So, you know, some of the prices have gone up because of the tariff war. But, um, you know, I'm a big believer in you buy quality items and you take care of them and they last for a long time. In fact, I'm buying a new office chair that will probably last me for the next 30 years. That's expensive. but I talked Ryan into it. But... You know, that's the idea, right? Like why buy the cheap version and then buy another one in a year's time? Yeah. Okay, I will tell you about my favorite travel bag. This is from Lowen Sons. And of course, we'll tag this all in the show notes. So I have a few bags from them. I have the briefcase. I think it's called the Brookline. And let's be real. You're going to look this up and you're going to be like, wow, that is not a cute bag. No, it is not. I'm not telling you it's a cute bag, but it's very functional. Same thing as Ryan's bag. It slides on to the handle of your suitcase and it has a lot of room. It very safely holds a laptop, an iPad, and you know your water, your snacks, a notebook, anything and everything that you could need. And I really, really like that bag. So that is my favorite travel bag. I will say if I'm going on a trip where I'm not bringing a laptop or maybe 
my laptop doesn't need to be, you know, maybe my laptop can be in my overhead bin bag, then I will use their Catalina bag. I really like that one too. It's not great for laptops because it's kind of, it's just a canvas bag, but it's huge and it slides over the handle and you can throw all of her clothes in there. And then I also have their wallet and their crossbody bag. So obviously I'm a huge Low and Sons fan. And same thing with the ones that Ryan mentioned. These products look like they're brand new and I've been using them for years. So it's one of those things where like you buy it once and you really don't need to buy another one for a long time. So, so that wraps up the conversation about bags. I will also say I highly recommend Rothy's for your shoes. I love to travel with those because they're washable and we all know airports are disgusting, planes are disgusting. And when I get home from a trip, I throw those puppies in the wash. So that's just something that I really like. They're also really comfy. And for me, when it comes to simplifying and not checking a bag, I can wear those comfortably through an airport. Even if I have to run to my to, to make my connection, I can wear them on a job site because they're washable. I can wear them out to dinner. I can wear them, you know, in a meeting with a client. There's, there's really nowhere that I can't wear them and I can't rep them enough. So, and they're made with recycled water bottles. Right. So they're hippie-ish. Very hippie. The last thing I'll say about planning ahead for your trip is that I use, I'll tag these pill pouches that I recently started using. It's a woman owned company and that you can buy them on Amazon and they're made with like food grade silicone. I used to use the little like pill bags you buy at Walgreens and those wear down over time and you're just kind of, it's really wasteful. So yeah, plus you feel like a drug dealer. It's awkward because they're little pill bags. It's really weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's tip number five. If you're into supplements like we are, uh, or medications, definitely pick up a set of these reusable bags, little silicone bags. Yeah. Those are great. You definitely need to plan out your days. And, you know, that's the one thing I was not good at in the beginning and now I'm much better at and, and laying out all my different supplements. I got my morning and my evening stuff. And I do recall that while I'm traveling, my body's under a lot of stress and I don't take those. And my recovery is a lot more lackadaisical. Yes. That is the last point. I love that you touched on that because the moral of the story is that your body is going to be under stress, even if you're traveling for vacation and you really just want to plan ahead so that you can make sure you're supporting your body. Oh, I forgot to mention, when you hear this, we will be on a day date in Denver. We will likely be at Rivers and Roads Cafe eating gluten-free donuts. All right then. So these are just a handful of our travel tips. I'm sure there will be more that come up in conversation. But we wanted to get you guys started and let you kind of know that when we're globe trying, what we like to do and how we stay healthy. We'll see you next week. If you liked this podcast, please rate and review. And if you screenshot it and email it to us with your mailing address, we will send you a fun gift from one of our favorite companies for Sigmatic. All of this information is in the show notes.